morning this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us this morning. We're starting a brand new series today called You Can. Everybody say, You Can. Come on, say it again. Say, You Can. We're talking about You Can because I, I, I know this about a lot of people in life. They've been told they can't for so long. Uh, they've been discouraged in so many things. And I believe that with the power of Christ working within us, that God says that you can. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about some things that we can do. And so because I don't have a lot of time and I ran over in the first service, we're going to kind of just dive into it today. Is that cool with y'all? So, uh, so if you're taking notes today, here's what we're going to be talking about. You can change. You can change change. Now, I, I know when I say that, some of y'all are like, man, but TJ, I, I tried to change and, and, and it didn't work. I'm here to tell you, you can change. You can teach an old dog new tricks. You can change. But when I tell you that, for some of you, you get a little upset. You get a little flustered because you're like, man, I tried. I tried to change my marriage. I tried to change in my finances. I tried to change my kids. I tried to change my life, and, and I tried, and nothing different happened. And so you don't think you can change. But my goal today is to prove you wrong and 100% prove to you that with the power of Christ working within your life, you can change. And so we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 22. If you want to turn to your Bibles there, let me kind of give you some background of what's going on. This is a story about David. Uh, at this point, what has happened is David is a shepherd boy. Samuel comes and uh, looks to anoint somebody in Jesse's family, the future king of Israel, goes through all the siblings. They're like, is there anybody else? And they're like, man, there's a shepherd boy named David. They call him in. He ends up getting anointed future king, uh, but continues to be a shepherd boy. He goes to bring some lunch to his brothers who are fighting the Philistines. And there's a Philistine named Goliath who comes out and mocks the, the, the armies of Israel every day. David sees this. He challenges Goliath, goes out there, kills the giants. The Israelites end up chasing down the rest of the Philistines, and killing them. And when they come back, the current king, his name is Saul, hears this music kind of video going on, and the song goes like this. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousand. It's, and it's like the hit around Israel, and, and Saul's not real keen on it, and so therefore, he wants to kill David. And so David is on the run, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. In, uh, in, in, it's actually 1 Samuel 22 starting in verses 1 and 2, it said, So David left there and ran to the cave of Adullam. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever felt like running to a cave to, to kind of hide away. But David actually runs to a physical cave. And here's what I want you to see is that we all have places we run to when things are not going well. We all have areas of our life when we're discouraged, when life isn't turning out the way we thought it was going to turn out, when, when things aren't going how we wanted them to go, that we run to in hiding. And it says David actually runs to this cave and it's called a dullum. The word a dullum actually means a place of no hope. See, what I know in my life, and I'm probably sure is true of your life, is that when we're discouraged and things aren't going real well, it feels pretty hopeless, doesn't it? 
It feels like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make my way out of this or what I'm going to do or where I'm going to go or how I'm going to survive this moment. So I'm just going to go hide here in my hopelessness. And that's exactly what's happening. And it says, when his brothers and all those of his father's house heard about it, they went there, down there to him. Then everyone, now watch this, who was in trouble, everyone who owed money, and everyone who was not happy with the way he was living came together to him. And he became their captain, and there were about 400 men with him. Now, this is a moment when all these people who don't like how their life is going shows up. And this group is with the group that I would call the group that's broke, busted, and disgusted, right? Come on, somebody. They're broke, busted, and disgusted. What does it say? It says the, it was the, the, everyone who had trouble. Everyone who, who owed people money and everyone who did not like his life. Basically, they're the broke, busted, and disgusted group of the Bible. And, and maybe you fall into a category like that today. Maybe you feel like, man, I thought life was going to look like this and my plan was for life to look like this, but it's not going that way. And, man, I'm frustrated with my life. Maybe you're out there today and you owe some people money. In fact, you're so owing people money that the debt collectors are calling and, and you're hiding from them. In fact, you're, you're blocking their calls now. Some people are laughing. They're like, I did that this morning. <laughs> Maybe you're in trouble. Maybe you're facing some consequences, typically of decisions that you made for yourself. Maybe you decided, man, I'm going to talk about my friend behind their back and where got back to that friend that somebody was talking behind their back and now they're looking for that somebody and that somebody's you. So what happens is, is we try to do something, we try to accomplish something in life and it doesn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out and we get discouraged and we feel like, man, we're just defeated. And some of you here today, you're, you're like David and you're like these, these 400 guys, you're discouraged and, and you feel like in life you just can't win. Maybe you're a husband in here and, and you feel like, man, I just, I just can't win. I've done everything that my wife wanted me to do. I've apologized up and down and back around and still nothing's changing. Or maybe you're a wife in here and you're like, man, I've cooked and I've cleaned and yet nothing is different. I tried. I tried to be different. This year, maybe you said, man, you know what? I'm going to try not to be lazy. I'm going I'm to put some order into my life. I'm going to put some calendaring into my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and do things I've never done. I'm going to mow the lawn every single week and we're nine months in and your lawn is six foot tall. Maybe this, this year you said, man, I told myself I was going to eat better. I wasn't going to have any desserts or I wasn't going to stop at the donut shop. But every time I roll by Krispy Kreme, the hot now sign is on. Come on, Jesus, help a brother out. I told myself. This year I was going to be faithful. I, I wasn't going to cheat anymore. I wasn't going to have a side piece of action in my relationships. But, but you know what? It's, it's, just, it's just so hard because when it comes to that commitment, it's just so easy to stay with a familiar. I told myself I wasn't going to drink myself to sleep every night. I wasn't going to try to dull the pain. But yet the pressure at work, the pressure at home, the pressure is just so great. And I just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? I told myself I was going to lose weight this year. In fact, the doctor told me that I've been diagnosed with diabetes and I can treat this. But I went to the gym. And when I got to the gym, I got on the treadmill. And it was hard. 
And when I looked around, it was only skinny people there. And so when I got off, I was tired, and I just never went back. But I tried. I told myself this year, God, I want to know you better. God, I'm going to be committed to knowing you. But yet every single Sunday, it seems like there's a football game or there's a party or there's an opportunity. And while I might be here this week, I've missed the last seven weeks. And have you noticed that when you're in these moments and you feel deflated and you feel defeated and there's trouble all around you and you're falling behind, it's really easy in these moments to get discouraged, isn't it? It's super easy to get discouraged and you start to say, you know what, maybe they're right. They said I'm just like my daddy. Maybe I am just like my daddy. They said I'm this and maybe I really am that. I'm sure for David he was going, man, it's, it's hard to see the blessing on my life when I don't see the crown on my head. I've been anointed king, but I haven't seen that come to fruition in my life yet. Pastor TJ, I hear you preach every single week, and I know you tell me that I'm blessed and highly favored, but it sure doesn't feel that way. In fact, it feels the exact opposite. Pastor TJ, every week you say, hey, anybody that needs prayer, raise your hands, and I'm raising my hand because I need a lot of prayer, but it doesn't seem like anything's happening in my life. Pastor TJ, I promise, I'll try. I try every single day, I get on 95, and I try, I try to keep my wits about me, but those people, those people that just keep cussing, cutting me off, and I keep cussing them out, but Pastor DJ, I try not to cuss them out. Pastor DJ, I don't know any other words, I need some new words. Some of you are like, he's preaching truth right now. See, when you're discouraged... It's easy to get into this mentality where it's just easy to settle, isn't it? Where you say, man, it's not even worth trying. You know, I want to read more of the Bible, but I'm not really a reader. I want to, I want to lead a connect group, but, but I'm not really a leader. I, I, I want to put God first in my business, but I don't even know how to put God first in my life. I, you know, I have this dream, but, but I question all the time whether that's really God's dream for me, and so I just settle in a life of mediocrity. And that's exactly what these guys did. They run to this cave, and they're in trouble, and they're broke, and they're like, I don't like how life's going, so I'm just going to come here, and I am going to settle. Listen, church, for some of you right now, you are in a season of settling. God has spoken some things to you. God has challenged you in some things, but because it didn't happen instantaneously, you just settled right there where you've always been and wondering why nothing's changing. And you're going, man, I, I, I don't want to look at those things. I don't want to look lustfully at things, but it's just easier. Man, this year I, I wanted to be generous. I wanted to be a part of what God is doing through the immeasurably more thing, but it's just, just hard. So you have all these things that you wanted to be but never end up being because you settle in that moment. And I know exactly what this is like. I grew up. Uh, my parents got divorced at a really, really early age, and, and my, my dad was my primary caretaker. My mom was a business owner. She owned multiple businesses. And so throughout my childhood, I virtually never, I, I have no memories of my mom until I'm like 13 years old. 
And so I'm, I'm at a young age, I'm being raised by my dad in all these important moments in life. My mom is missing out on it. And as I got older, I remember sitting down with my mom one time and go, Mom, like, I, I don't remember anything of you in my childhood. Like, where were you at these times? Like, why, why weren't you a part of these moments that I felt like were so significant to my life? And I remember my mom going, well, TJ, you know, every year I planned on being more involved in your life. I planned on being at those things. But what would happen is I would get busy and I'd realize, man, I didn't do any of that last year. And because I failed so much last year, why would I show up this year? And I just continued in this cycle of dysfunction. And what my mom didn't realize is all she had to do was just show up in that moment and she could change everything. But what she said after that blew my mind. She goes, well, you know what? When I was growing up, my parents owned businesses, and I was never really around them. I kind of raised myself on my own, and so I just followed in the same suit as my family. Because I've always been, because we've always been, that's exactly what I'm going to be. And some of you have lived that exact same way. You've said to yourself, man, I'm an addict because everybody in my family is an addict. We all drink. And we all drink too much. And, and, like, it's not that I want to drink, but I started at 14, I'm 45. How am I going to change that now? You know, everybody in my family is successful, and, and we're successful monetarily. And while we might have nice things, the thing that we don't have is a relationship with our kids because we're so focused on our business. And so what happens in life is while we have boats and cars and houses and great vacations, we don't have our kids. And so when they grow up, they leave the house. They might have all of this stuff monetarily, but what they don't have is us. And then when they leave, we get a divorce because we don't even know each other anymore either. And so while you might have all these things, you have this huge void in your life, and you're just going, that's who we are. Because you've settled in that part of life. Some of you are doing that when it comes to the gym. Man, I tried the gym. I went there. Worked out. I worked out hard, Pastor TJ. And I didn't lose but no pounds. In fact, Pastor TJ, I gained weight. So you know what I did? I went home and I ate dessert. And then I went and got some Krispy Kreme, and then I went to Publix and I bought a box of brownies, and I didn't even want brownies. I ate all the brownies. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some people know what that, they're like, I, 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 that's me right there. See, it's easy to talk about when it comes to food, but what about when it comes to our parenting? What about when it comes to our health? What about when it comes to our relationships? What about when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? You know, I, I really want to serve Jesus. But here's the problem is, is because we don't look like Jesus instantaneously, we, we just go, oh, I failed at this. Like, I tried church, and, and I went to church, and ain't nobody called me. But here's the problem. When it was Connect Group Rally Weekend, and you had the opportunity to actually put your name and a phone number down so somebody could call you to get to know you, you didn't do that. And then you're mad that nobody called you because nobody even knew about you. But I tried that. Come on. Shameless plug for Connect Group. Sign up for one. <laughs> See, what you do is you go, I'm not going back there. Man, I tried, Pastor Jay, doing relationships the right way. I mean, I, I made a commitment. I'm not going to have sex anymore before I get married. But Pastor TJ, I just want to snuggle with somebody. Tried. What happens is we just settle. And here's what I want you to realize. It's just because you've always been blank doesn't mean you always have to be blank. Just because you've always been lazy doesn't mean you always have to be lazy. 
Just because you've always been uninvolved doesn't mean you always have to be uninvolved. Just because you've always had dysfunctional relationships doesn't mean you have to choose a dysfunctional relationship. Just because you've always been broke doesn't mean you have to live broke for the rest of your life. Just because you've been walking around this life aimlessly doesn't mean that you can't live with purpose. And some of us need to realize just because we've always been doesn't mean that we always have to be. That you can change. I'm just letting you know I'm preaching way better than y'all are responding. I'm just, I'm sweating like crazy. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. It is a bad choice. <laughs> so here's David. He's hiding. He's hiding out. He's, he's basically playing hide and seek with Saul. How many of y'all know when 400 people show up to your hiding spot, that always ruins the game of hide and seek? It's like, go find your own spot. This is my cave. This is my place of no hope. Blowing his cover. But here's what's interesting when you find a, about this cave. If you're going to go to 2 Samuel 23, which you're, you're not, but what happens is all these guys that showed up to this cave as whims all of a sudden become David's mighty warriors. <laughs> I wonder what that gunshot was. I just <laughs> These guys that were nobodies all of a sudden become somebodies. These guys that were on the run are now making other people run. The guys that had nothing going on now have everything going on. In fact, I, I just pulled up some of David's mighty men, just a couple of them to throw them up on screen. It says Jasho Beam. That's a, that's a hood name right there, I'm just saying. He's from the hood of Israel. Jasho Beam used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Here's a dude that rolled in, scared to death, and all of a sudden, he's killing 800 people with a spear? That's bad to the bone. What happened? How about this? How about this? Eleazar and King David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army fled. Okay, so here's the deal. They're fighting with the army. The army takes off, and all that's left is Eleazar and David. And this is what it says. He said, he killed the Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword. So Eleazar, who was a wuss, all of a sudden is out there battling with David. Everybody's left. And because he's fighting them so hard with his sword, the Bible literally says in other translations, his hand cramped to the sword. So he's out there. He can't even run if he wants to. And here's what I think happened. I think Eleazar, he, 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 started, he started thinking to himself, man, I've been running for so long. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of running. I ain't scared. I'm tired of them telling me that's who I used to be. I ain't scared. I'm tired of being broke. I ain't scared. Next one. <laughs> Shema. It says one time the Philistines gathered and attacked the Israelites, and the Israelites' army fled again. Bunch of wimps. The army's of wimps, but these dudes. But he held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. 
and it goes on. It talks about a guy who kills 300 people by himself. It talks about a dude who chases a lion into a pit on a snowy day and kills the joker barehanded. And guy after guy after guy is transformed. How did these guys go in as wimps and come out as warriors? How did they change? Because here's what I've noticed. A lot of us, we're running to caves, and we go in one way, and we come out exactly the same. Or worse. So what was it about this cave? What was it about this place that made all the difference in their lives that made them from wimps to warriors? I think there's a couple things if you're taking notes. Number one, they had the right environment. This is the right environment. See, they ran towards the cave, not away from the cave. And see, what these guys didn't know, that inside that cave, there was a system that David had devised because David knew what it was like to be one thing and be transformed to be something different. And so when those guys walked in and broke, busted, and disgusted, he looked at them and said, hey, listen, that's who you used to be, but that's not who you're going to be. In fact, God's got a plan for your life. I see more in your life. You're better than that. You're greater than that. There's greater potential in you. I want more for your life. And David started speaking some things into their life. He started putting them in an environment where there was life change happening. And here's what I know is you and I, we don't have a cave, but we do have a church. And the church should be the place that we run to when we're broke, busted, and disgusted. The church should be the place that we run to when life isn't going how we wanted it to go. And we need some hope, and we need some outlook that's different than our current outlook. And we need some life spoken into us. And I know some of y'all are like, well, I don't, I don't need the church. You're right. If you've never been broke, busted, or disgusted, or had anything go wrong in life, please don't ever come to church because you'll mess it up for the rest of us. But if you got issues, and if you don't have issues, that's your issue. That You don't know that you got issues, okay? If you got areas of your life that aren't what you thought they would be, then you need to come to the cave as much as possible. See, the church, what it does is it cultivates and it motivates and it encourages change in your life. And if you'll come and you'll come consistently and put yourself in an environment where change and transformation are happening all around you, you have no choice but to be transformed by your environment. You can fight it, you can resist it, but you will change. Why? Because the church is an incubator for change. You remember back in like, fifth grade science, they always gave you the incubator with the chicken's eggs, and they said, man, if you put this egg in this incubator, you keep it at the correct temperature long enough, what's going to happen? It, something's going to hatch out of it. The same thing is true in your life. You put yourself in the incubator called the church, it's going to cultivate change and transformation inside of you, where all of a sudden, everything is different. And see, the church should be a place that shows us where we got it wrong, and that's why some of you don't like church. You're like, all they do is tell me where, what I got it wrong. That's a good church. But a great church will not only show you where you got it wrong, it'll show you how to get it right. And so the goal isn't just to go, hey, here's where you're wrong. The goal is to go, hey, here's where you messed up, but here's how you can have your life transformed. 
Here are some steps for you. I know your marriage is in disarray. You created that mess, but if you'll trust God's way and start doing these things, your marriage will be transformed. I know you're in debt right now because you have poor spending choices, but if you'll start living by God's standards when it comes to your finances, you'll see your life transformed. We're going to point out what's wrong, and then we're going to help you change. Do you think these guys rolled in there, and they're broke-busted and disgusted, and David's not like, dude, you're broke because you've got a spending problem. You better believe David was calling that junk out. Sure, he's going, man, here's some areas where you all got it wrong, but here's how we get it right. And that's what makes the right environment so right. Because we serve a big God, a good God, a God who loves to change us for the better. Not only did they have the right environment, but number two, they had the right voice. See, some of you want change, but you won't put yourself in an environment to change and surround yourself with people who will encourage you to change. So you say, I want a better marriage. I want, I want a better career. I, I want to pursue my dreams. I want all of this stuff. But you won't put yourself in a place and with the people that will help lead you and guide you and cultivate you towards the goals of those things. And see, what we fail to realize about David is David had this unbelievable power of encouragement. In fact, if you were to watch and read through the book of Psalms, you would see all the time where, where David would be in this place where he was discouraged in life. And all of a sudden, he would start to speak to himself. You know, last week, Shayla talked about not listening to yourself, but talking to yourself. And that's exactly what David would do. He wouldn't listen to the negative mindset, but all of a sudden, he'd go, you know what? My God says that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. He would, he would look at his situation and go... You know, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. And everything I put my hand to will prosper. And so I'm not believing the negative thinking that's around me. I'm going to start to stand on what God says. And so he would encourage himself in those moments. And so he began to encourage himself. But what he also did is he began to encourage them. So David became the right voice for them. And the reason they would listen to David's voice is because David knew exactly what it was like to be minimized and marginalized. I mean, think about this. He wasn't even invited to his own inauguration to be king. Entire family was there, but not David. He's out tending sheep. What do you want with that shepherd boy? Then when he shows up to defeat the giant, they're like, hey, do boy, what are you doing here? He knew exactly what it was like to be marginalized and minimized in life. He knew what it was like to be looked down on and discouraged. He knew what it was like to have nothing feel like it's going in the right direction. And then he go, you know what, I know exactly what that's like, but I'm not here to tell you you can't change. I'm here to tell you you can change. See, God took me and all the dysfunction surrounding me, and when God gets a hold of your life, he transforms everything. He changes everything. And if God did it in me, he can do it in you because he's no respecter of persons. See, we might not have David in our life, but we do have Jesus. And J Jesus is the greatest encourager on the face of this earth. It doesn't matter what your mom said you could do. It doesn't matter what your dad said you could do. It doesn't matter what any of those people say you can do. Because Jesus is constantly looking at your potential and saying, you're better than that. You've got more than that. I believe in you. I've got your back. There's a higher purpose in your life. You can do everything through me. Come on, let's move forward in life. Let's not stay at a standstill. We need to keep pressing on to the prize that is before us. And Jesus is the one that says, you can. 
when everybody else is saying you can't. And we need to have the right voice speaking and encouraging us. And Jesus is constantly speaking, and he's constantly encouraging, and he is the right voice. But a lot of people avoid the right voice, and they avoid the right environment, and then they ask, why am I not changing? Why is nothing different? Number three, you got to have the right people. The right people. Because also inside this community is a group of the right people who have been changed and transformed as well. You know what's interesting about the local church is that you look around and you see people at different places in their spiritual walk and you think, man, how, how could I ever get to that place? Well, what it is is they just got to the cave before you did. They just got here a little bit sooner. And so what happens is, is the goal within the body of Christ is that you're going to walk in and you're going to rub shoulders with people who have gone through and experienced the same things that you're going through and experiencing right now. And they're going to be able to encourage you and guide you and, and shape you and help you make sure that you're making the right choices in those moments, that you'll find the truth and you'll move forward. See, inside of, of, of the cave are the right voices and the right environment and the right people. And what happens is you start walking with them and you start believing, well, if God can change their life, he can change my life. If God can renew their marriage, he can renew my marriage. If God can get them out of debt, you know what? God could probably do that in my life too. And all of a sudden, you start to believe in things that you never believed in because you've put yourself in the right environment with the right voice and with the right people. And all of a sudden, it begins to inspire you that you can actually do it. I love what God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. You know what? The world never tells you that. Facebook doesn't tell you that unless some cheesy Christian post is there. Your employer never tells you that. You know who says that? God says that. And listen, when God sees you, he sees you better than you currently are. He doesn't just see you where you are and the portion of the story that you're living in. He sees the end of your story and he says, listen, I've got a great future for you. I've got a great plan for you. I've got a great hope for you. And I promise you, you can have the marriage of your dreams. I promise you, you can live debt-free. I promise you, you can pursue that dream. I promise you, you can get married single person. I promise you that you can. I know you've been, and you've always been, but you don't always have to be. See, because when you put your life in the hands of the master, the master can transform our life. The thing I love about Jesus is Jesus gives real change. It's not a self-help program. He's not a motivational poster. He isn't just something we throw up on our status. The Jesus we preach week in and week out gives real change, not itty-bitty change, not momentary change. He gives real, lasting, eternal change. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, this means that anyone, you know who anyone is? It's any one of us who belongs to Christ has become a new person. 
the old life is gone and a new life has begun. It doesn't say the old life is going away and we hope that a new life is about to begin. What it says is it said the old life is gone and all we have to do is catch up to the change that Jesus has already done. So what that means is that you're already free from your addiction. What that means is that you are already a godly man. What that means is that you're already a virtuous woman. What that means is that you're already the head and not the tail. What that means is that you're already more than a conqueror in life. Come on, somebody. But what we have to remember is that Jesus has already done it. We just have to learn to walk in it. Just like David had to realize, God already did it. He was already anointed king, even though he was hiding in a cave. And just because you don't see it in this moment, doesn't mean that it's already taken place. Because God has already established his plan for you. And they're plans for good and not disaster. They're plans to give you a hope and a future. So no matter what you've done on the past, good news is the past is gone. And the new stuff has already been done. So I want to leave you with this. No matter who you are, it's not over. You can change. Whatever it is. Just because you've always been doesn't mean you always have to be. And today could be the day where everything shifts in your life. And for some of you, that's going to be like an instantaneous rock your world. Everything changes in a moment. And that's awesome. But for a lot of us, it's going to be a process. It's going to be slow, gradual shifts and changes happening in our lives. But if we'll put ourselves and commit to be in the right environment, listening to the right voice, surrounding ourselves with the right people, you will change. In fact, I believe that some of you are one prayer away from everything changing in your life. You're one prayer away from everything shifting in your life. In fact, I remember the moment I prayed a prayer that changed everything in my life. It was July of 1998. I remember my stepdad invited me to go to a church service after I'd been kicked out of college and had just messed up a lot of life and 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 I, I didn't want to have anything to do with church so I was like no I'm not going he said there's going to be pretty girls there and I was like I'm in just in case you want to know how to get a single guy to church that's that's the way right there just just saying I remember showing up to that church service I was not paying attention at all had wanted nothing to do with that church service but I remember there was this moment where this guy cussed in a mic from the stage and I was like what I can relate to that And by the end of that night, I was praying a prayer to give my heart and my life to Jesus. 
And I remember, I remember walking into that church service feeling like I was Clark Kent and coming out of it feeling like I was freaking Superman. Because God can change everything in one moment. Because I went into that place with no hope, no future, no life, and came out with a hope and a future that was good, that was not there before. And I believe that God can do the same thing for you. And so I'm here to tell you, it's not over. It doesn't matter what they've said to you. It doesn't matter what they've told you. What they say doesn't matter. All that matters is what God says. And as long as you're still breathing, he's still got a plan. So it ain't over till he says it's over. Listen, when you invite God into your equation, no matter how jacked up your problem is, he makes the solution positive. And so maybe you're here today. And you need to invite God into your equation. Maybe today is the day that you need to make the ultimate change, the, the change that can change everything. Or maybe you're here and you made that decision a long time ago, but you kind of you floated away in the cares of life. And today's the day that you're saying, you know what, today's the day I need to come back with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe that's you out there.